Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Good evening, I'm Colleen Christie. Sonia is away tonight. An extremely emotional day in Abbotsford for the thousands who came out on a dreary day to honor the life of Constable John Davidson and for the hundreds of thousands who watched and listened from home. His family, friends and colleagues all paying tribute to a man whose life has forever changed a community. Jennifer Palma begins our coverage tonight. A pipe band plays as thousands of mourners line Abbotsford streets honoring the life and service of Constable John Davidson. A riderless horse was led in the procession along with a riderless bicycle, marking his work with cops for cancer. The hearse carrying Davidson's body flanked by his son and brother. 8,000 first responders were on hand to honor their family member, including officers from the United Kingdom where Davidson served. Davidson, a beloved member of the Abbotsford Police Department, brought the community together. Thousands crammed into the Abbotsford Center for the somber celebration of life. Three other sites welcoming up to a thousand mourners each. It's a time to get rid of our armor, shed our macho images. Everyone supporting Davidson's family, his wife Denise, daughters Dina and Faye and son Drew, his mother and five siblings making the trip to Canada. You were so enthralled and exhilarated by the extraordinary natural beauty of British Columbia. It's hard to properly capture in words just how special Dad was. In a way that does him justice. He was strong, intelligent, hilarious. Sarcastic, humble. Davidson's wife, Denise, chose to have an Abbotsford police officer speak on her behalf and share her feelings. She can't replace him, but appreciates every generous attempt to ease days recently past, present, and future without him for her and the family. 53-year-old Constable John Davidson was loved and admired by so many. He was fatally shot and died in the line of duty in Abbotsford November 6th. His extended work family is in shock. My heart and soul ache for you. Thank you for allowing me this precious time to try and put into words what your husband and father meant to those closest to him at work. present the Canadian flag to the Davidson family on behalf of all Canadians. Jennifer Palma, Global News. That was also an emotional experience for those who braved the cold, wet weather to watch the funeral procession. Our Grace Key was in those crowds today. Grace, what did people tell you? Yes, certainly so many folks out here just along the line where the procession was, uh, many of them bringing their children as well, wanting to show their respects and also saying that they wanted to show their support for the family. Hundreds of people lined McCullum Road in Abbotsford to pay tribute to a man they never met but knew made such a difference to their community. 
like he really cared for the kids in school. And uh, I heard that he would be standing at the door waiting for the kids that needed to show up for school that he was aware of, and then he would high-five them on the way in. He visited my son's school with the Cops for Cancer tour, and my son actually just made that connection earlier this week, and he's like, Mom, he was at my school. More than 4,000 uniformed first responders took part in the procession. They came from all across the country, the United States, and from the Northumbria Police Department in the UK, where Constable John Davidson started his career. They all marched with about 230 members of the Abbotsford Police Department. My husband is a police officer with New West, so we're just part of that police family and wanted to show our love and support. I wanted to come to support the family and my dad and all the police officers and first responders. I think it, they make, um, we make them feel better. After the procession, dozens took part in the officer's celebration of life at Central Heights Church, one of three overflow seating areas for the public. I just thought it was powerful, very powerful. It was an amazing display of solidarity, so it was, it was good for us and for the kids to see that. Never seen anything like it. Yeah, it was cool to see how many people came out to support them. Now, after the celebration of life, just across the street is Finnegan's, and that's where many of the family, friends, and fellow police officers went after the service. Grace, thank you. Of the many emotional moments at the service today, the eulogy by Chief Constable Bob Rich was amongst the most poignant. In a bold move, he recounted the events of the day Davidson was fatally shot and made a plea for his officers to seek emotional counseling. When that shot rang out, blackness fell on a sunny day in Abbotsford. When that shot rang out, evil won. There was an oily blackness that fell upon our city. It was awful. It's, I cannot imagine a darker thing to have happened to us. The truth is, the wound that John received was beyond medical help. There was nothing that could be done. But we know that if he could have been saved, he would have been saved because those people did everything they could to save his life. And their lights shone in the city of Abbotsford in the inky blankness that had, that had been dwelt upon us by this man in his evil action. So when we have a tragedy like this, far too often the other people that have had to respond to that traumatic incident, have had to shoot their guns, have had to try to save the life, have, have been involved in something they just can't even imagine, we lose more than just that first officer we lose other people who have been traumatically affected. They've received an operational stress injury. They are hurt. And we've had this attitude in policing that we need to end. And so I say it ends today, if anybody's still confused. Suck it up is not part of what we do. If you get hurt because you've responded heroically on behalf of this community, doing your job, then I want you to take a knee. I want you to get help. I want you to talk to a counselor. I want you to ask your family to bear you up. I want you to take sick days. I want you to put in a claim. I want you to do whatever it takes so that you are well and that when you step back out onto the street to protect our community, you are able to do it because you have looked after yourself. You have dealt with the injury that you received that was never your fault in the first place. And if you do that, 
you will be stronger the next time you have to do something that difficult. And if you fake it and pretend you're better, the next thing is going to break you in half and we will lose you. When people get hurt through no fault of their own because they are protecting this community, and I'm talking about injuries to your ankle or to your operational stress injury that occurs when you've experienced that trauma, I'm asking you to take a knee and take the steps to get better. We need to change how we are. For more of the eulogies from today's celebration of light, you can go to our website, globalnews.ca forward slash BC. First responders across the Fraser Valley stepped up to cover their comrades who were attending the service in Abbotsford. A driver lost control of an SUV on Highway 1 east of Sumas Way this afternoon. It rolled down an embankment and across South Parallel Road, landing on its side in a water-filled ditch. Four people reportedly suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Firefighters in the Mission Fraser Valley RCMP traffic services and paramedics all responded. Crews from Mission, Chilliwack and Langley Township all covered the fire halls in Abbotsford today. More questions tonight about the safety of those party buses. One caught fire last night near the Granville Strip, a fire that quickly engulfed the vehicle, then spread to some trees and a building. Tanya Beja has more. This is crazy. Saturday night in the heart of Vancouver's entertainment district, a party bus bursts into flames. I look at the, through the window, there was a flame coming through the party bus. It was like two-story high. It was, it was very bad. The vehicle pulled over around 10 p.m. near the corner of Smythe and Granville Streets to drop off passengers. When they smelled smoke, the driver opened the back compartment and the bus caught fire. It started very quickly and uh, it's, the entire limousine bus was uh, engulfed in flames within minutes. Uh, I would say it was 60 to 70 feet up. The blaze erupted just as hundreds of symphony goers emerged from the Orpheum half a block away. I saw smoke billowing in the distance and at first I thought it was an apartment building which was scary to see but then we realized that it looked a lot like a party bus. Suddenly seeing the red and blue lights and uh, people everywhere, cars honking. Very, a lot of commotion, a lot of people wondering what was going on. The Canucks game was just ending. Silver Star Limousines operates the vehicle and says the 2009 model passed inspections. In a statement, the company says it's thankful no one was injured. As for the cause of the incident, we are unable to comment on it at this time. Boys are coming in hot. Vancouver firefighters say they believe electrical problems are to blame. The fire started in an area storing the vehicle's DVD players and cables. It's not the first time a local party bus has sparked concerns. In 2016, a young woman fell and died after a mechanical malfunction caused a bus door to open while the vehicle was in motion. Nobody was injured Saturday, but a nearby business and tree were damaged. I could see that the police quickly took control of the situation. Everybody was safe, but uh, we got a little bit damaged. But thanks God, nothing happened to anybody. Tanya Beja, Global News. Hmm. Oh, it's been a very challenging day for anyone needing to board a BC ferry. Strong winds causing delays and cancellations along some routes. Our Paul Johnson is out in Sawasan tonight with the latest. Paul. Colleen, second weekend in a row that ferry travelers to and from Vancouver Island have had a hard time getting home at the end of the weekend. 
This weekend, the culprit is the same. It's the high winds that we've been seeing. Now, even when things are all working well, high winds are a big problem for the ferries when they come into dock. On top of that, this weekend, one of the big ferries on the Swartz Bay Twasson run, the Coastal Inspiration, has had problems with one of its turbochargers, making it hard for them to steer in the wind. All of this resulted in a number of cancellations around midday today on both the Swartz Bay and the Duke Point runs. Once they got things going again, there were a lot of delays, and as of now, drivers are facing multiple sailing weights and there's the possibility that some people might miss that last boat over to the island at 9 o'clock. I was supposed to be on the 1015 ferry because my husband is singing in a concert this afternoon with the Malaspina Choir in Nanaimo. So, yes, so I'll miss that. It will just delay me, unfortunately. I've just returned from a long trip and I'd love to get home, but if not... Uh, the one o'clock sometime today would be great. Yeah, we have to work tomorrow, so hopefully we can get back. Yeah. So they've now lifted that high wind advisory for the Strait of Georgia. I can tell you out here at the Twasson Ferry Terminal right now, it's still pretty gusty. But if you have plans to travel to or from Vancouver Island and you can put those plans off until tomorrow, I think you'd be wise to do so and a lot happier than coming out here and getting in line. Colleen? Thank you, Paul. Good advice. When we come back, Justin Trudeau pledges to apologize to Canada's LGBTQ community. Plus, the Queen and Prince Philip are set to make history tomorrow, the record they're about to break. And a skier is in serious condition after being caught in an avalanche in Alberta's backcountry. Those stories when Global News Hour at 6 continues. A man remains in hospital in serious condition after being caught in an avalanche in Alberta's backcountry. Three skiers triggered the slide yesterday afternoon near Upper Kananaskis Lake. Two escaped, but the third, a 37-year-old man from Calgary, was completely buried. His companions were able to partially dig him out before air and ground rescue crews arrived. He was then airlifted to hospital. The skiers were wearing beacon shovels and rescue probes, as is recommended when heading into the backcountry. A community near Calgary is on edge today after a frightening daytime assault in a normally quiet suburban neighborhood. A teenage girl was violently attacked during a home invasion. RCMP searched for evidence at this home in the community of Cimarron in Okotoks, trying to track down a suspect responsible for attacking a girl in her own home. She's coping. She's really sore, but she's, she's in shock. The 16-year-old was letting her dog out the back door at around noon Saturday. That's when police say she was assaulted by a man in the backyard. Her mom says the culprit held a knife to the girl's throat. She was taken to the Alberta Children's Hospital. She has five stitches to her throat So and, and some other injuries. People who live on the street say they can't believe what happened to the girl. I was shocked, actually, because uh, it's a very quiet neighborhood. You know, although 
you know, we did put in our security system just for our own safety, but I would never expect something like this to happen in our neighborhood. Neighbors who have lived here for nearly 10 years say they've never had any criminal activity at their homes before. Police continue to investigate the assault. It's believed the man was trying to break into the home. He's being described as a man in his mid-20s with blonde hair. We're a ball of emotions. We are still trying to process what happened to our daughter. We have four children, so we feel very violated. Um, we don't know really what to think or do. Um, we're, we're being, um, we're trying to help the RCMP um, as best as we can. Victim Services is assisting the family and police are asking anyone who may have information regarding this to call Okotoks RCMP. Carolyn Curry, De Castillo, Global News. Justin Trudeau says he plans to make an historic apology to LGBTQ2 Canadians. On Twitter today, the Prime Minister said the government will apologize for, quote, the persecution and injustices they have suffered. It's expected the November 28th apology in the House of Commons will center around those who were jailed or lost jobs because of their sexual orientation. Homosexual acts were considered a crime in Canada until 1969. And until a 1992 Supreme Court ruling, those who identified as LGBTQ2 could not openly serve in the Canadian military. Zimbabwe's president spoke out today for the first time since the military stripped him of his powers and placed him in house arrest. I, as the president of Zimbabwe and as their commander-in-chief, do acknowledge the issues they have drawn my attention to. Robert Mugabe was removed in a bloodless coup by the military after he fired a top deputy. His 37 years in power have been riddled with controversy and accusations of corruption and cruelty. Despite immense pressure for him to step down, Mugabe did not resign. Instead, he used today's address to hint at his plans to keep in power. The Congress is due in a few weeks from now, I will preside over its processes which must not be prepossessed by any acts calculated to undermine it or to compromise the outcomes in the eyes of the public. The ruling party's central committee says he must resign as president by noon tomorrow or face impeachment. Argentine Navy officials are hopeful the families of the missing submarine crew will still see their loved ones alive. Seven brief satellite calls were detected yesterday, but authorities haven't been able to confirm if they came from the San Juan. The submarine disappeared Wednesday with 44 crew members on board. Now, several countries are participating in the search for the source of those satellite calls and to pinpoint the missing vessel's location. In California, the Coast Guard is trying to figure out what caused a boat to spin dangerously out of control. It happened this afternoon south of San Francisco near a popular beach. The Coast Guard discovered a boat spinning in circles. One person has been taken to hospital. The extent of their injuries is unknown. A second person is believed to be missing and a search is now underway. 
Queen Elizabeth and Prince Philip released new portraits to mark their platinum wedding anniversary tomorrow. The couple was married on November 20th back in 1947 at Westminster Abbey. She was 21, he was 26. They're expected to spend their 70th anniversary privately with family and friends at Windsor Castle. They have now been married longer than any royal couple in British history. That's phenomenal. It's a while. After a while, what do you what do you get for the anniversary? You know, what are you gonna get? And what about the queen? She's got everything. She's got right? everything. Yes, Barry Vaughn. Nice that you're here. Um, Wow, it was a nasty day out there today. It was blustery, and it continues to be still for the next few hours. If you do have plans to be out and about this evening, uh, we've seen a significant amount of rain, and it's been paired with very gusty winds. Here's a look at uh, what we saw earlier today. So, yes, if you were out, the umbrellas were needed, and you needed to hang on to them. We saw a range between 30 and 50 millimeters for most areas across Metro Vancouver, but some of the higher amounts were along the North Shore Mountains with closer to 40 and 70 millimeters. Also, a few other spots of note. Uh, Cathedral Point and along the island. We did see some of the rainfall totals. For example, Fanny Island up to 81 millimeters, and these were taken today. I do have some of the wind gusts. We've also seen a significant amount of snow. If you're heading along the mountain passes, I'll have an update on the Coquihalla, and we'll talk about a break that is on the way when I come back very shortly. Oh, it's nice to have some good news in your yes. forecast. Um, I know there was some sports going on. Mm-hmm. I, we were all watching the uh, funeral procession, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, there were there were a few games happening. It was a good day to watch football, NFL Sunday, of course, but uh, CFL fans, the uh, Grey Cup finalists are now set. A couple of uh, very close games today in uh, Toronto and Calgary, so we'll have highlights of all that. Good news uh, for the Seahawks, even though they've not played yet this week. They play tomorrow, so we'll tell you a bit about that coming up as well. Awesome. Thanks, Mary. Still to come, ICBC now says it is the number one cause of car accidents. What the province needs to do is ban all cell phone use while driving. Mm, And why one B.C. family in particular agrees wholeheartedly with that idea. Their story next. And still to come, some lucky dogs in Calgary, courtesy of WestJet. Constable John Davidson was, of course, a member of the Abbotsford Police Traffic Division and passionate about maintaining safety on our roads. Fitting that today, safety advocates gathered in Kelowna to push for a ban on cell phone use while driving. And as Shelby Tom of Global Global Okanagan reports, the cause hits very close to home for a father who lost his daughter in a crash on the Coquihalla earlier this year. We were so happy. Emotions still raw for a grieving father who lost his daughter just seven months ago. My wife and uh, myself uh, cry so many times every day and it's going to stay like this until we die. 21-year-old UBCO student Melissa Mamura was killed in a crush on the Coquihalla Highway. To honor her legacy and to advocate for safer driving, Melissa's father traveled from Japan to attend the 6th annual One Crush is Too Many memorial event in downtown Kelowna. It's to mark the World Day of Remembrance for road crash victims in Canada. If we don't take some time and reflect on that carnage, on that loss, then really we're not going to be motivated to do something to change it. Many attendees here hoping for changes in driving behavior. 
Distracted driving quickly becoming one of the leading causes of deadly accidents. Distracted driving is now the cause of 25% of all car crash fatalities in the province, killing an average of 78 people every year. This month, the province announced it's targeting repeat offenders with higher insurance premiums by designating distracted driving as high-risk behavior under ICBC. People know that it's against the law, they know they shouldn't be doing it, and they're still doing it, and they should have to pay more for insurance because they're driving up costs and they're also causing deaths on our roads. Event organizer Paul Hergott is a personal injury lawyer. He says more needs to be done. What the province needs to do is ban all cell phone use while driving. Not just the handheld variety, because what you're doing to British Columbians is saying, hands-free is perfectly safe, and it's not. It's just as dangerous. Memura encouraging drivers to practice safe driving in an effort to spare other families from unbearable pain and suffering. We don't want any, any more people dying from the car accident, especially you don't want to lose your children. Shelby Tom, Global News, Kelowna. When we come back, we meet a group of kids with autism, learning how to be comfortable doing something that many of us are afraid of, as Global News Hour at 6 continues. As we deal with the rain and wind this weekend, passengers on board a ferry in Seattle were facing problems of their own. Have a look. Yeah, someone had to be bleeped there. Huge wave in Puget Sound peaked over the bow of the Washington State Ferry on Friday. The force of the wave knocked one car back almost three meters into a car behind it. Nobody was hurt, but the car was damaged. That would not be fun. No, and you can see here, here from the audio too, I'm not okay with this. <laughs> I would not be either. I'm not okay with this. <laughs> All right, we've also had some rainfall, a significant amount depending on where you are across the south coast and metro Vancouver. Here's our tower cam shot this evening with the rain still heavy at times and a southeasterly wind at 37 kilometers per hour with the gust though it's just over 50 kilometers at this hour. A look at our temperatures today, we're still right around seasonal with the high of 8 degrees. A record on this day was 16 degrees set back in 1968. Here's a few of the peak wind gusts to Austin today up to 80 kilometers per hour. Areas near Vancouver just over 50. Abbotsford closer to 60 kilometers per hour. And areas near Tofino today clocking close to 52 kilometers per hour. Here's what we are tracking though. Uh, also is the snow and these were mostly taken from yesterday but I wanted to show you a snapshot for Terrace. The airport picking up 70 centimeters. Kitimat between 50 and and 60, Stewart 30, Smithers 20 and 30, and along the Pine Pass, 56 centimeters of snowfall. And if you're heading along the Coquihalla, there is a snowfall warning that is in effect with an additional 20 centimeters of snow still falling overnight and then tapering off late day tomorrow. And right now, the Coquihalla is closed in both directions due to a vehicle incident, so you will want to track uh, Drive BC for an update. Some of the other numbers across the province today with Kamloops up to 10 degrees. The Peace still chilly at minus 16. 
seen climbing up to five as a high for Prince Rupert and Victoria today up to nine degrees. Satellite and radar, that moisture from the system is going to push its way towards the south and in behind it, the big weather picture that we'll be following is a nice break. There's a clearing on the way as early as the morning hours and then in behind it will be on our Tuesday when we put the future cast into play, the return for some wet weather. But there is some sunshine and a much drier day to kick things off once again for back to work and back to school tomorrow. The piece up to minus 21 as the high with the wind chill tomorrow feeling closer to minus 30 and the risk of frostbite. Whitehorse will be seeing some flurries, a much drier and brighter day on Tuesday. Coastal sections, the rain is going to taper off. Inland could still see a chance for some flurry activity for your Monday. Most spots near the Caribou and Central Interior, sunny and dry with a high of minus 4. The return for snow on Tuesday and rain mixes snow on Wednesday. Columbia Kootenai will see rain and heavy at times over the next three days. Higher elevations, we are still tracking some snowfall. Similar for the Thompson Okanagan, areas near Kelowna tomorrow will be up to six degrees. Whistler will see a nice break from the snow, still seeing a snowfall warning in effect with 15 and up to 25 centimeters tapering off by the afternoon tomorrow. And then we are going to see a clearing on the way with a high of three degrees and the next round of rain pushing in on Tuesday. A clearing right across the island tomorrow. Victoria will be up to 9 degrees. A break is on the way for us across Metro Vancouver, so the wet weather is going to taper off on within the next two to three hours for us. Much drier for tomorrow, and then that next round of rain is going to push in. The silver lining, Colleen, will be Wednesday, Thursday. We'll see milder temperatures with highs of 11 and 14. Colleen? We can handle the wet. We don't want cold and wet at the same time. Yes. Thanks, Yvonne. It's hard enough for some of us, but parents who have children with autism know how challenging air travel can be. Well, now, partnership between the Canucks Autism Network and the Kelowna Airport wants to make getting on a plane and all the anxiety that can come with it a little bit easier. Global Okanagan's Kimberly Davidson reports. Why don't you go to this lady? She hasn't had very many Rosie and her sons arrive at the Kelowna International Airport for a special day. Marcus, Patrick and Ethan have never been on a plane before. Marcus has autism and prefers to be in familiar environments. Today the family will be getting on a plane, but they won't actually be going anywhere. The steps that have to be taken, and I think it'll, it'll be a, make it for a little bit less anxiety when we decide to take them on a plane. It's a trial run, more or less, for 21 Okanagan families that have children with autism, so they can become familiar with all of the processes of traveling by air. From check-in... You know what it says? It says that you are going on an airplane. ...through security... Hopefully open such a world of possibilities that they can travel and go experience new things. ...and into the departures waiting area, where thankfully there is a playroom. He likes to be at home quite a bit, so traveling for any lengths of period of time makes it quite hard on him. The day is a joint effort between the Canucks Autism Network and the Kelowna International Airport. It's a first for YLW. I'm going, I'm going. Finally, after about an hour of waiting at the gate... At this time, we are going to begin boarding with Zone 1. It's time to actually get on the plane. Are you ready? The airplane's just down there. Yeah, it's been great. You want to do a big thumbs up? I did like it. You see the smiles on the kids' faces? It was great. And as for Rosie, she believes she has her answer. Oh, I think that while he was in the seat saying, when are we going? Let's go, let's go. So I think he's ready to go. <laughs> Adorable.
The Grey Cup finalists are now set. Highlights of the divisional finals, including the Stamps and Eskimos, up next in Sports with Barry. Monday, Black Friday. Now it's become a whole month of selling. So is it still worth it? A lot of people are going to be online and in-store on Black Friday. Expert insight into the discounts you can expect to see. Consumer Matters, Monday on Global News Hour at 6. Oh, the light's still on our side. It helps us carry on. Some of the coverage of the funeral for Constable John Davidson, which we carried for um, more than three hours live right here on Global, which meant that a lot of people didn't watch sports today. So thank goodness you are here. Okay, I'll see if I can fill a role today (laughs) for everybody. Thanks, Colleen. Uh, The Calgary Stampeders have literally not had anything to play for over the last month. They clinched first in the West before Thanksgiving. Accordingly, they lost their last three regular season games, but... Were they slipping or just unmotivated? Today they hosted the Red Hot Eskimos, winners of six in a row in the West Final with a trip to the Grey Cup on the line. Stamps in their sixth straight Western Final, 3-2 and two record in the five previous games. All Eskimos to start, already 7-0. Mike Riley rolling out, finds a wide-open Darrell Walker. Where's the secondary? 69-yard touchdown. Eskimos jump out 14-0 after one, but the Stamps... Wake up in the second. Now 14-7, Mark and Michelle gets the little handoff here, and he will find the end zone from 13 yards out. It's tied at 14, and the Stamps weren't done before the half is out. The speedy Roy Finch, who does most of his damage on punt and kick returns, takes the handoff. Hey, maybe he's pretending it's a return. Finch just keeps uh, going, or Finch just keeps going. 50-yard touchdown run. Stamps put up 22 in the quarter, led 22-15 at the half. Third quarter, the big train, the former Lion, Jerome Messam, powering his way in from 14 yards out. Stamps 182 yards on the ground, led 31-18 after three. But the Eskimos stay within reach. Mike Riley to Vidal Hazelton inside the one. Riley would punch it in for the touchdown on the next play to make it 32-25. Late fourth, S driving for the tying score. Third down, Riley with the clutch completion to Brandon Zilstra to keep the drive alive. But then on third and four, head coach Jason Moss decides to kick the field goal. Even with that, they still need a touchdown to win the game. A very puzzling decision. They did get the ball back, or were supposed to anyway, but they fumbled the punt. The Stamps recovered, and they win 32-28. So the Stamps are on their way to the Grey Cup next Sunday in Ottawa. And a lot of questions about uh, that strategy for Jason Moss. East Final, Rough Riders at Argos. Saskatchewan trying to become the first West team to win both crossover playoff games and advance to the Grey Cup. Kevin Glenn, very good last week in Ottawa. Not so much today. Picked off by Terrence Plummer. Takes it back for a 39-yard touchdown. Glenn had a disastrous day. 6 of 13, 87 yards, 3 interceptions. He was replaced by Brandon Bridge. Ricky Ray, meanwhile, executing... Quite well, as always. Hits uh, Debeer Posey for the touchdown. 17-3 R goes uh, at the half. Fourth quarter, Riders rally with Bridget quarterback. Finds Deron Carter for the touchdown. Riders within eight at 18-10. And then with just three minutes to go, this happens. Christian Jones looking to get the Riders some decent field position. I think this meets the requirement. Jones is gone for the 79-yard punt return touchdown. And the Rider Nation 
on hand celebrates and across the country. They figure they've got this when they lead 21-18. But Ray's got time to come back. Field goal to a tie, touchdown to win, and he finds Armonte Edwards down at the Riders' one-yard line. Two plays later, backup Cody Fajardo sneaks it in for the touchdown with just 23 seconds to go, and the Argos break the Riders' hearts, winning 25-21. So Toronto off to the Grey Cup next week in Ottawa to play the Stampeders. The Seahawks play the Monday Nighter this week at CenturyLink against the defending NFC champion Atlanta Falcons. Seattle will have to make do without Richard Sherman for the rest of the season and possibly Cam Chancellor too. He is out indefinitely with a neck injury. It's a 5.30 kickoff tomorrow. Meanwhile, NFC West leading Rams at Minnesota. Both teams at 7-2, and two, both on long winning streaks. Second quarter, 7-0 Rams, but Latavius Murray will take it in for the Vikings to tie this one 7-7. And then the Viking defense comes up large. Rams driving for the go-ahead score, but Cooper Cup is stripped of the ball at the one-yard line. Minnesota recovers, and they avoid getting any points scored against. Seven all at the half, and the Vikings take over in the second half. Case Keenum to Adam Thielen, who busts it for a 65-yard touchdown. Vikings win it 24-7. They shut down a Rams offense that had averaged a league-high 33 points per game. Mini now 8-2. Rams drop to 7-3. So Seattle can move into a first-place tie with a win tomorrow over Atlanta. Washington at New Orleans. Saints on a seven-game win streak. But Washington with upset on their minds. Kirk Cousins goes 40 yards to a wide-open Ryan Grant for the touchdown. Washington would build a 15-point Fourth quarter lead, but uh, Drew Brees knows a thing or two about coming back. Three minutes to go, finds Drew Hill to make it 31-23. And then with just over a minute to go, Alvin Kamara juggles it, but hangs on and takes it in for the 18-yard touchdown. They got the two-pointer, sent the game to overtime, tied 31-31. And in overtime, after Washington had to punt the ball away, Saints drive it down and Will Lutz from 28 yards out. Saints take it 34-31. They are now 8-2. Eight, eight straight wins. Eagles and Cowboys in the Sunday nighter. Philly at 8-1. Best record in the NFL. Cowboys trying to stay in the race without the suspended Zeke Elliott for the next five games. First quarter, Ken John Barner gets across the goal line as the Eagles score in their first possession. That's been the, the only touchdown so far. 7-6 Eagles. If they win, they'd open up a four-game lead over the Cowboys atop the NFC East with just six to play. Lions and Bears, Detroit at 5-4 and four in the wild card hunt. Second quarter, Lions were down 17-7, but Matthew Stafford goes 28 yards to a wide-open Marvin Jones. That cut the lead to 17-14, and then with just 20 seconds to go in the half, Stafford to Amir Abdullah, 21-17 Detroit at the break. Fourth quarter tied at 24, under two to go, and the veteran Matt Prater from 52 yards out, drills it down the pipe in the tough conditions at Soldier Field. Lions go on to win it 27-24. They're now 6-4 after the victory over the Bears. Brett Hundley and the Packers looking for their second win in a row at Lambeau versus Baltimore. Ravens led 6-0 in the second when Joe Flacco finds Mike Wallace. And what a catch by Wallace. One-handed, traps it against the defender. Great grab, 13-0 Ravens, and that was plenty of offense. Hundley struggled again at quarterback for the Packers. Three interceptions on the day. 
Green Bay shut out at home 23-0. Both teams now 5-5, five and five, and the Packers' playoff chance is pretty slim with no Aaron Rodgers. Patriots and Raiders from Mexico City, from the massive Azteca Stadium, 7,200 feet above sea level, so the ball is going to fly. Patriot kicker Rob Guskowski from 62 yards drills it. It would have been good from 70 at that much leg on it. The NFL record 64 yards, 17-0 Patriots at the half. This was very one-sided. Tom Brady with the home run strike to Brandon Cooks. 64-yard touchdown. Patriots roll to 8-2 after thumping the Raiders 33-8. That is the football story. Still to come, a look back at the Canucks' overtime loss last night to the Blues. And DeMar DeRozan had another big scoring day for the Raptors. Highlights of their win over the Wizards when we come back. Welcome back. The Canucks hit the road for six games with mixed feelings after last night's 4-3 overtime loss to the Blues. Again, the Canucks played stride for stride with one of the best teams in the league, but defensive breakdowns cost them as they blew a 3-1 lead and had to settle for just a single point. Jake Bertanen was back in the lineup after being a healthy scratch. The last uh, three played physical. I thought Jake played well enough to keep himself there for the next game in Philadelphia. Brock Besser... Loves playing on Saturday. Had a hat-trick against Pittsburgh, of course, a couple of weeks ago. Great snapper there to give the Canucks the one nothing lead. It was tied at one in the second, shorthanded. Louis Erickson to Marcus Granlund, who makes a nice move on Jake Allen to give Vancouver a 2-1 lead. And then on the power play, back for more. Erickson is going to fire it. It's saved, but Sven Berchi knocks in the rebound. 3-1 Canucks, and they were looking pretty good. Now, St. Louis did cut the lead to 3-2 and then a bit of controversy during a delayed penalty. The whistle blew there. Initially they said the Canucks made a glove pass. Afterwards they said the Blues had possession but Thomas Vanek scored on the play. It was a bit of a weak call. I think they should have really scored the goal there but instead of 4-2 it was 3-2. St. Louis got it. Goal in the third to tie and then won it in overtime on this beauty from Braden Shen. Derek Pouliot's got to do a little better one-on-one there. So 9-8-3 through 20 games for the Canucks. The six-game roadie begins Tuesday in Philadelphia. NHL tonight, Mark Stone and the Senators at Madison Square Garden to play the Rangers. No scoring until the second. Bit of a turnover deep, and Kevin Hayes hops on it. Nice wrister there to make it 1-0 New York. And then in the third, Rangers get a little insurance from the point. It's the Mark Stahl shot that's tipped in by the former Canuck Michael Grabner right there 3-0 the final Rangers shut out the Sens. NBA today Raptors and Wizards from the ACC Raps second in the East with a 10-5 record first quarter Kyle Lowry with the alley DeMar DeRozan with the oop 60-55 Toronto at the half tight game in the third more from DeRozan driving the basket goes to the left hand oh he's so good Game high 33 for DeRozan, wraps by three after three, and then a little icing on the cake late. DeRozan with authority throws it down. Raptors win their fourth straight 191. Toronto at 11 and five is three and a half games behind the first place Celtics in the East. And final round of the LPGA CME Group Tour Championship. Final day of the season for the ladies. American Lexi Thompson, who led the CME Globe standings heading into the week with a birdie on 17. Had a one-shot lead in the tournament, but she would bogey the 18th. But on 18, Maria Jutanagarn birdies, and that wins her the tournament, which is a nice payday, but Thompson's tie for second is enough to bring home the CME Globe as the LPGA 
champion golfer of the year, Canada's Brooke Henderson, ended up sixth in the CID Globe standings. There you go. Thank you so much, sir. When we come back, it's beginning to look a lot like a, a WestJet Christmas. Stay with us. Christmas came early for some Calgarians today. WestJet launched its annual Christmas miracle campaign, 12 days of consecutive gift giveaways. Today, more than 150 lucky customers were given a present from WestJet. 40 dogs and one cat delivered the special gifts. Isn't that cool? Blue Santa, of course, you saw there, and Love It or List It uh, Vancouver host Jillian Harris were also on deck. Lucky customers were treated to gift cards or free WestJet flights. Each of the dogs has um, three gift tags attached to them. So, and these gift tags are each associated with one of our guests. So all of our guests are going to receive a, a very special present from WestJet that is uh, associated with their dog. Very sweet. Very cute. I found it interesting they trusted only one cat to deliver. Well. Would you trust more than two cats? I would that? say I think they hit the number there. Yeah, yeah. we love cats, Just but uh, they can't—they the they can't be—they can't be dependent on to deliver. So true. It's not for them. Yeah. Yes. We leave you now with one more look at the celebration of life for Constable John Davidson. Thanks for joining us. He risked his life for the good of other people in this town. Left, right, left. It's so incredible to see everybody paying their respects to him today, and it, it's overwhelming. I, I'm, I'm almost speechless. It's, it's a really.